1. Hello. You have discovered the Felon File. Felonfile.com is a podcast exploration and discussion of law enforcement, history, issues, and incidents in the Appalachian Mountains and elsewhere. Felon File is hosted by Scott Lunsford, retired police detective, sergeant, author and researcher. The Shade of Blue Stories for Felon File Today Sunday, November 22, 1987 A young man by the name of Douglas Basham took out a personal ad in the Sunday paper. The outcome was far from his original intent. Background Music Hard-boiled hosted by Purple Planet Scott, you're online. Thank you, Victoria, for starting us out and opening us up. Once again, welcome back to another episode of Felon File. Today's episode in Shade of Blue Story, we're going to talk a little bit about letters in the mail. The use of the Postal Service and writing letters seems to be on the decline nowadays with everybody texting and emailing and video conferencing and so on. But if you've watched some old movies or old TV shows, you're familiar with what a Dear John letter is. Or maybe you're not. I guess that would be a Dear John text message now. But back in the day when people actually put pen to paper and wrote letters, you would have a young lady send a young man a letter explaining or telling him she wanted to end the relationship. And these were called Dear John letters. But, what do we call a letter that we receive from a young lady that ends up getting us killed? Now, with all the advances that are out there, technology brings what is today communication done differently. It's done now through the internet for the most part, either voice, text messages, other visual methods, video, photographs, even more so than it used to be. Before there were online dating services as we know them today, there was the personal section of the newspaper. There was no swiping left or swiping right if you liked or didn't like the way somebody looked. You just read their personal ad in the paper and wrote them a letter back or sent a letter to a third party, usually the newspaper itself, and they would forward it on to the person who had posted the information in the newspaper originally. I imagine that was probably to help try to keep stalking incidents down. Don't know. Now Sunday, November 22nd, 1987, a young man in North Carolina by the name of Douglas Basham, who had a sister that worked in the worked at the local newspaper, the Greensboro News and Recorder. He took out a personal ad in the Sunday paper, and it read very simply, Divorced white male seeks long-lasting, loving relationship with a female, 25 to 35 years of age. Me, 35, bearding, caring, loving country boy at heart. You, special in your own way. Take the chance to write. You might be surprised. Photo, please. When you get a message that says, take a chance, probably a good idea just to step back. 
Well, as it turned out, he really wasn't expecting too much, but the surprise came when he did get quite a few responses to his personal ad. And within about a month of posting that personal ad, Douglas ended up being engaged. Now, in order to sell papers, the newspaper decided that they would try to find out some more about Douglas and, and his personal ad romance. So they ran an article on Douglas and his new girlfriend and future fiance. He's quoted in the newspaper article saying, I really wasn't expecting this one to turn out with anything. My sister works at the newspaper, so I sort of ran the ad because of her. I never expected to meet anybody nice or anything like that. Now, Basham was particularly interested in one of the six responses that he did receive from a young lady by the name of Vivian Hicks, who was 32 years of age. She was a clerk at the local grocery store in the same town he lived in, Reedsville. And he wrote her back and gave her his name and a phone number and asked her to give him a call when she had the opportunity to do so, which she did. One phone call led to another, of course, and then he, then they planned to meet for lunch. And Douglas was quoted in the local newspaper as saying that he had never been this happy before in his life, that he was shocked that it worked out the way it did, but boy, was I surprised, period. Well, just wait, Douglas, it gets better. He was so pleased with that. As a matter of fact, he was so pleased with how things had turned out he got a copy of the ad and had it laminated, and he carried it around in his pocket as a memento and a good luck charm. Now, according to Vivian, she had no problem picking him out of the crowd because of the description he had posted of himself. Now, like father, like daughter, Vivian's family was no stranger to the personal section of the newspaper. Her father had, in fact, met his fourth wife Notice I said fourth wife, through a personal lad several years earlier. And strangely enough, and Vivian said that strangely enough, she'd really never put much stock in the personal ads. And she was quoted later, I'm not sure why I wrote back. I was fascinated by the statement that he was a country boy and I could be special in my own way. Oh, isn't that nice? Now, this is all well and good, and it would be great to say that they lived happily ever after. And I do know some people that have met through online services or dating apps, and one or two have met through personal sections quite some time ago in the newspapers. And it's, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Uh, those ads and use of those applications are perfectly fine, just another way of meeting people. But, you gotta be honest. And Vivian was not being honest. Vivian Hicks had her own secret that she didn't bother to tell Douglas. The fact of the matter was that she was still married at the time she began dating Douglas, and at the time the newspaper article about her and him were put was was published. Now it was almost December of that same year before she finally got around to filing for divorce from her husband 
a Danny Gary Hicks. Now the divorce promised to be and appeared to be less than amicable. Apparently they were having a hard time getting along in those days. And right before Christmas, Vivian ended up swearing out a warrant against her husband, claiming that he had threatened her if she continued to follow through with the divorce proceedings and told her if she and told her she wouldn't live to see the end of the divorce if she went through with it. Now when the case ended up going to trial in Rockingham County Court, the jury found in favor of the husband. And it ended up that Vivian was charged with, with filing a malicious and frivolous report and warrant. And she ended up having to pay court costs and a $52 fine. This was not the last time that Hicks was going to file uh, a frivolous warrant. Around again, that same time the article celebrating their unusual romance appeared, was printed in the local papers. She broke off her engagement to Douglas. Now this is where our Dear John letter comes in. The jilted fiancé, you know, he was a little confused about what was going on and just now finds out that his fiancé, or who he thought was going to be his fiancé, was still married in actuality. And he, of course, was upset by the entire divorce episode and situation when he found out about it. And they were getting ready to start a new year, and he was real excited about starting this upcoming year, 1988, on a good note with a new wife and new family. Now, in the midst of all this, February 10th, 1988, Vivian Hicks ended up swearing out a warrant against Douglas claiming he had beaten and harassed her. And she told the magistrate when she took out the warrant, when she first met him, we hit her off pretty good. It was a very loving and caring relationship. He sent me roses and stuff, but then he got very possessive. I couldn't even breathe, so I couldn't marry somebody like that who would be so possessive. I had to take him to court. And unless you know the whole story, that's really not an unusual story. Magistrates, lawyers, and judges, and police officers, and first responders have heard the same story many times, unfortunately. So once again, Vivian ended up going to court to, te to testify against Douglas this time. Fortunately, Douglas was found to be innocent. But this time, Rockingham County District Court, they did not end up charging her, and she didn't pick up a separate criminal charge for filing a frivolous warrant against her ex-fiance. Perhaps, maybe they should have. Now, less than two weeks later, on the 23rd of February, Hicks ended up dropping her divorce action, and this got back to Douglas as well, and it kind of confused him even more. Douglas apparently still cared about Vivian or had interest in her. Now, as most people know, drama begets drama. 
And this is when our third wheel, our third man, entered the already soap opera lifestyle of Miss Vivian Hicks. That's when she met Mr. Michael Alvin Scales. Mr. Scales was 21 years of age at the time, and they met at the grocery store where Vivian worked. Now, despite the fact that Hicks was 11 years older than him, and despite the more important fact that she was still married to somebody, Michael Scales and Vivian Hicks started dating. Now, fast forward a little bit to Saturday, April 23rd, around 9 o'clock in the evening. Douglas's sister, who worked at the newspaper, she received an anonymous phone call saying that her brother had been shot. She contacted the police immediately, and they dispatched a car to his, to his home, and they arrived about 9.20 that evening. Now, according to the police report, officers found all the doors locked, the lights on, and when they went around back, they located what appeared to be a bullet hole through the back window. Using this information and the need to check on the well-being of somebody inside, based on the sister calling in that her brother had been shot, they forced the door open. And when they got inside, they found that the washing machine was still running. The television set was still on. And Douglas was sitting in a chair. He still had an ink pen in his hand that he had apparently been using to do some sort of drawing on a notepad that he also had in front of him. And he was dead, shot between the eyes, his glasses broken in half. Responding officers called detectives and they opened up a homicide investigation. Now, that particular evening, that Saturday night, it had been raining very hard and it washed away any footprints that might have been there and they had no luck with a canine in, in tracking any type of suspects that might have been there. The bullet that ended up killing Douglas had pretty much exploded on impact making it difficult to determine what caliber of gun it was or what type of gun it was, handgun or rifle. Of course the name Vivian Hicks came up early in the investigation and she was interviewed a couple of times. She told investigators she had no idea who might have wanted to kill Douglas. She was quoted in her interview with police as saying, I really hate that it happened. Yeah, I bet she did. Now the lead detective on the case felt that this was not a crime of passion. So he figured there must have been another motive other than the relationship that Douglas had with Vivian. Sheriff's Captain Bob Gray of Rockingham County Sheriff's Department stated in the press and later on that it was a cold, calculated killing for somebody to lie in wait and shoot into your home and kill you. And you have to admit, that is pretty cold and pretty calculating. The district attorney for Rockingham County was all set to ask the detectives and the investigators to discontinue their investigation of their primary suspect, Hicks, in favor of concentrating on some other suspects or somebody that they weren't aware of yet who may have done the crime. But there was one detective 
Detective Sam Page, who I'm happy to say, while I was an active investigator with the city of Asheville Police Department, I had the pleasure of meeting this sharp guy. And uh, he had a gut feel that Vivian Hicks was involved and he continued a side investigation on her and her possible involvement. Now it didn't take him long to find about Vivian's involvement with Mr. Michael Scales. On June 23rd, Detective Page found what he was looking for after conducting an interview with the boyfriend. 21-year-old Michael Alvin Scales. During his interview, Scales ended up confessing that he and Vivian Hicks had murdered Douglas. He told Detective Page that while he was the one who actually pulled the trigger, it was Vivian who actually planned the crime and the homicide. She had bought the gun and convinced him to do it. Scales told the detective he didn't even know Douglas, but he had heard the stories of the relentless beatings that Vivian told him that Douglas had imparted upon her, and, and Scales wanted to help. Now, at first, Hicks had just asked if he knew anyone who would commit a murder for hire. And after thinking about it for a while, Scales pointed out that such a thing would be quite expensive if they could find somebody. He didn't know where to go to make inquiries about such a thing. According to Scales, it was at this point that she began asking him to do the killing, according to what Scales said. Hicks ended up buying a 243 caliber Winchester high-powered bolt-action rifle. Really good deer gun. She bought the rifle from a man in Madison County, North Carolina for about $250. Very high-powered weapon and very accurate. Vivian then drove her young boyfriend to a point near Douglas's mobile home and left him there. Scales said that he didn't directly shoot at the victim but rather he shot at the shadow of Douglas, the shadow of his head that he could see through the window. He told the detective that he just pulled the trigger and then hauled ass. He confessed the murder was committed by him, that he had pulled the trigger, and he says he thought his, then added the comment that he must have just loved her too much. I guess I just wanted to put a stop to the beating and give her a little peace of mind. I ain't never in my life thought about killing anyone. Now after dropping scales off, Vivian went down to a nearby convenience store and waited there. She bought a Coke and stood outside near her car and listened. And she was actually able to hear the gunshot after which she got back in her car and returned to where she dropped Scales off, picked him up, and then they drove to Vivian's house. The two of them picked up her son, then they went to Carver, Virginia, with the intent of hiding the gun at a relative of Scales, 
who lived there and happened to be out of town. Scales later went back to his family member's farm, retrieved the gun, and brought it back to Rockingham County. That's when he tossed it in the Mayo River. He came clean about this, and he even showed the detectives what part of the river he had thrown the rifle into. But after much searching, divers were unable to find the rifle in the river. But that really wasn't that unreasonable, considering the amount of rain, that there had been a flood, a lot of mud had moved down the river, perhaps burying the rifle somewhere else in the river, and they just were not able to find it. The same rain that had caused the lack of footprints around the crime scene. Now, at the time of the confession, Hicks was, was immediately arrested and put in jail. She waited about three weeks, though, before she made a statement or even spoke to investigators. According to her version, she said that while driving to the trailer, she had asked him repeatedly not to go ahead with the murder, that she didn't want to kill her ex-fiance. Now, the story ended up changing when they both ended up at the same time in Superior Court in Rockingham County. When they were brought before judge, both Hicks and Scales pleaded guilty to murder, first degree. The guilty pleas were hastened by the fact that the district attorney had made the decision that if they pled guilty, they then he would not seek the death penalty. If they would just take responsibility for the crime. The district attorney felt that the aggravating circumstances necessary for the for the death penalty just weren't present. And of course, that ended up saving the state quite a bit of money in the end, as well for an appeal and more trials. The newspaper article said that during the trial, Vivian Hicks cried the entire time and kept repeating and telling her son and daughter that she loved them while they were present in the courtroom. She refused to look at her boyfriend Scales, though he was seated only two chairs away. The fact that authorities had gathered no real hard evidence against the pair until Scales' confession came out to Detective Page may have played some part in her being slightly miffed at him, basically saying, I would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for my boyfriend running his mouth. She apologized to the court and Judge Lamar Gudger of Asheville, who I've testified before myself, she told the judge, if I could go back, I wouldn't have never maybe done it. But the fact of the matter is that she did do it. Scale also apologized to the court, and his attorney brought up an interesting point in his closing argument, that while society and upbringing are often given the blame for a person's crimes, this was not the case with Mr. Scales, though he was young, he came from a very good family, he graduated from high school, he held down a job and was very well thought of in the community, and probably would go places if he just had not hooked up with, with Miss Vivian. He closed by saying, I hope this will be a lesson to him in the years to come. He will be able to make a contribution of some sort to society, hopefully, 
Hicks and Scales both ended up receiving mandatory life sentences, whereas they had to serve a minimum of 20 years before they were considered for parole. Vivian was paroled first and is still currently out of prison with no further charges on her record, according to the Department of Corrections and Probation and Parole. Michael Alvin Hicks was paroled about a year or two later after Vivian was. He also has no further criminal history on his record, and we hope that he has contributed positively to society since he's been out. This according to the North Carolina Department of Corrections and Probation and Parole when I researched them through their public information database. So when you answer that email or you answer that text message about a blind date, be really careful because, as the man said, you don't know what's on the other side of the door, the lady or the tiger. And the tiger just might get her new boyfriend to shoot you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Tune back with us next Saturday for another Shade of Blue story on Felon File. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening. Be sure to go to felonfile.com or scottlunsford.com for more information on Scott's books and where to buy them. Be sure to see the stuff page for t-shirts and coffee mugs. This is Victoria, your producer for The Felon File.